Open with me your Bibles to Ephesians. We have broken into our study of Colossians when we reached verse 21 of chapter 3, which is instruction to fathers. Fathers, do not exasperate your children that they may not lose heart. And to get the positive side of the duty of fathers, we looked at Ephesians chapter 5, or excuse me, chapter 6, where the other side of the coin is flipped. And we read here, Ephesians 6, 4, And fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Well, let's again ask for God's help. As uh, it is a warm day, I see some of you without hats or umbrellas, and so I'm very sensitive of that fact. And I don't want to have any of you hauled off to the hospital with sunstroke or any such thing. So uh, I hope that we will not prolong our study exceedingly this morning. I'm sensitive to your plight as uh, you are sensitive to mine, I'm sure. Let's ask for God's help. Our Father, in spite of the heat, in spite of the sun, we thank you that we have the opportunity to gather here in this parking lot to study your word, to hear your voice speaking in the scriptures, to sing your praise, to address your throne, to come before and meet with our God, the true and living God. And we ask that you would come minister to our hearts, especially to families. We ask that as we have just sung this song based on the Psalms, that our homes would be such happy homes, blessed by you. Our children, strong olive plants, growing, bearing fruit, cheerful, happy homes. Lord, we know that this will be the case only if we submit ourselves, our families, our lives, our all to your word, to your direction in faith, in trust, only in Jesus and his merits, his work. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Now today, as Pastor Smith mentioned, is the day, I'm going to turn this thing, if I may, sorry camera, uh, because the people are mostly out there. The day marked as Father's Day, and we thank God for our fathers. I hope you do, as I do. And we also pray, each of us who is a father, that we will be better fathers. Even if our children may be grown and maybe we're grandfathers, but still we want to be better fathers. And so that's why we're here this morning. We're looking at the responsibility of parents, especially the responsibility to teach your children to bring them up in the instruction, the admonition, that verbal uh, word of direction that comes from the Lord. And we started this by considering the responsibility of fathers to teach their children, teach your children the word of God in family devotions. And our key text, I'll read again, Deuteronomy 6, 6 and 7. And these words, which I am commanding you today, shall be on your heart. Alright, so that's first. 
As Pastor Smith prayed that fathers will be in the Word, that these words will be not just on a page, but fathers, mothers, that God's Word will be in your heart. Secondly, he goes on, verse 7, And you shall teach them diligently to your sons, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. Now you may remember from last week the three elements that I gave you of family devotions. What do you do in family devotions? Well, you have Bible meditation where you open the scriptures and simply, plainly, clearly at a child's level explain them. And then secondly, prayer. You bring your concerns, your praises, your petitions, your confessions before the Lord. And thirdly, singing of God's praise. And I want to just give a little P.S. to last week before we go on to some newer material. And I mentioned last week that in singing, it's quite alright to use scripture songs or scripture choruses, whatever you want to call them. And you know, children, and I think adults if you're honest, learn things better perhaps, I know it's true for my family, if it comes in song. And sometimes scripture songs are a good way to help children memorize scripture. But I want to add as a PS, don't neglect singing through the hymnal. Now, I've been blessed by a wife who can play the piano, by a son and a daughter who are both skilled pianists. And so we had no dearth, no lack of those who could play the piano for us as we sang in family devotions. Of course, when the kids were little, it was my wife. But maybe you don't have that. But you know, you can go to the Trinity Hymnal online and even download an MP3 uh, or MIDI file of that hymn and have accompaniment in your family devotions if your voices are not capable of carrying the tune by yourselves. So learn the hymnal. Sing through the hymnal. There's a lot of good theology in our hymns. Another P.S. What else do you do in family devotions? You know, I had a kind of duh moment this week. Why didn't I say this last Sunday? What else can you do? Well, Bible memory. If I start a quote, you can finish it. Be wise. Memorize. Memorize scripture, and you can do this as part of your family devotions that you go through with your kids, and they'll learn it faster than you can, but you try to learn it along with them. Memorize scripture together. It's a good time to work on your Bible memory. And those things that I learned as a child, I've said this before, I'll say it again, they're still with me in the authorized King James Version, which I memorized when I was a boy. So, memorize Scripture. Pick a good version, stick with it, memorize Scripture. But then one more thing that you can do in your family devotions, and that is catechism. Now, 
We didn't do that. We didn't. I never heard of a catechism when I was a kid, except from the uh, the Catholic kids down the block. Uh, they went to catechism class frequently, and you know what's that? Well, they couldn't explain it to me. I hope you can explain it to your kids in a much better way than they could, because what is a catechism? It's just explaining what the Bible teaches at a child's level. And of course, you have to start with the children's catechism. You move up to the shorter catechism and if you're really bold and brave you move up to the larger catechism and I hope you do a lot of good theology a ton of good theology packed into those questions and answers again what you learn as a child sticks with you you remember the story I told a couple months ago from B.B. Warfield about the man who was out in the West in that time of upheaval and he was very calm in the midst of this chaos and it was remarked he was a shorter catechism boy. Why was he calm? Because he knew that there's a God in heaven who's on his throne And he learned it from his mother and father's knee through the catechism. What's the chief end of man was the question. And the answer came back. The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. We live in a time of chaos. May your kids be shorter catechism kids. Because as B.B. Warfield pointed out, shorter catechism boys and girls grow up to be shorter catechism men and women. And if God blesses godly men and women with a foundation, a stone, a rock upon which to found their lives of God's truth and not the chaos of worldly thinking. So, there's my PS for last week. Let's move on. How else do you teach your children? You know, you don't just teach them when you sit down around the table and open your Bibles at family devotions or in your living room. You do it every moment. You do it all through the day. And that was the point in Deuteronomy 6 verse 7. You don't just teach them when you sit down in your homes. But it says, and I'll go back to the verse... When you walk by the way. And so as you're walking through your daily lives, and and the walk is a picture of your whole life, you're to teach your children the Word of God. There's the biblical basis. Now, you want a little outline? I like to give outlines because that's what I like. So I figure I'm not alone. You probably like it. So here's the outline. B-O-Q-E. Bokey. Alright? The biblical basis, well, it's Deuteronomy 6, 6 and 7. Teach your children as you walk by the way. There's the biblical basis. Now, O is a little bit longer. O is opportunity. And what are, when are the opportunities that you get to teach your children by the way? Well, we'll look at that. Then the quest, Q is for questions. Questions, and I'll come to that. File that away. And the E, Boki, is example. And so, biblical basis, we've covered that very briefly. Now, opportunities. When do you get opportunities to teach your children by the way? What kind of things crop up? And I have five things you can add to them. You can tell me more along the way. But secondly, what I would say 
If I do have, if I hope I didn't lose page two, there it is. All right, first of all, you get opportunities to talk to your children about God, to teach them about God and His Word because of His glory seen in creation. Now, children are in the age of discovery. Everything is new to them. I remember Becky, when she was a little girl, she would see a butterfly. Oh, look at the butterfly! And you say, yeah, it's a butterfly. Right? Well, but to that child, everything is new. Everything is the discovery. They look at the stars. They look at the plants. They look at the bugs. I know another little girl in the Philippines, not Becky, who loved bugs, and she would bring every bug she found and show her dad. Well, discovery. What is this bug? Did it just happen? All those colors of the wings and all of the various features of its mandibles and whatever else, and you biology teachers can go have a heyday with that. Well, this is God's handiwork. Psalm 8, verse 1 to 5. And you may want to turn there. This is what the kids are seeing as they look at God's world. Psalm 8, verse 1. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth, who has displayed your splendor above the heavens from the mouth of infants and nursing, nursing babes. You have established strength because of your adversaries to make the enemy and the revengeful cease. When I consider your heavens and the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than God or the angels, and you crown him with glory and majesty. Creation, Psalm 19, the heavens are declaring the glory of God. Take the opportunity when your child brings you a bug, or points out the pretty leaf from the tree, or the colors, that hedge is now green, October, it's going to be red. And you're kidding. Oh, Dad, look at the pretty red. It was green last week. What happened? Well, God made it this, the fall, the leaves. You can take opportunities from the things that God has made to say what? These things that are made declare His power and His Godhood. Take the opportunities from the things that are made to point to the God who made them. I remember Cornelius Van Til put it this way. Everything in the world, every tree, every blade of grass has a stamp on it. Now you buy something in the store these days that has a stamp, it says, made in China. But you look out here and it says, made by God. That's the stamp on every leaf, on every bug, on every blade of grass made by God. You take the opportunity through the things that have been made to point to the wonders of God's creation. It's not an accident. I don't have enough faith to believe that this just happened this way. I mean, that's a leap that I can, I don't have enough leapiness to coin a phrase, to jump that far. To me, I look at the things that are made and I see my Creator. And that just makes plain common sense.
And it takes a world like Psalm 2 describes that says, I will not have this God rule over me, this man, the Messiah. And so Darwin gives away to kick God out. And men jump at it. It's folly. Take the opportunity. Another opportunity. So that's the first one of five. The second opportunity to teach your children along the way is when you see the wickedness of men. To point out to your children the ugliness and the consequences of sin. I remember as a child, for illustration, we would go in New Orleans, where I grew up, to Mardi Gras. And that was just parades uh, to a kid where they throw out trinkets. And so the cry of the kids as the, the floats go by in the parades, throw me something, mister. That was what everybody said. And they would throw plastic combs that would break after two uses. And they would throw out beads of uh, cheap glass beads, you know, on a string, and they would break after you wear them, and nobody wears them. You just collect them. Uh, all kinds of plastic kazoos. You ever have blow a gazoo? Uh, we would get all these plastic trinkets, and we would try to fill our sack with them, and mom made us a, a cloth sack that we could put our goodies in. Well, at Mardi Gras one year, I remember seeing two ladies. These are ladies, not kids. Both caught a string of beads at the same time. Opposite sides of the glass beads on a slender string. And this one woman said, If I can't have it, nobody's going to have it. And she yanked it, and the beads went scattering on the ground. Now, that stuck in my brain because, as I remember, my parents took the opportunity to say to us kids, Look how ugly selfishness is. It was ugly. It was just worse than a kid ugly. So childish in an adult. You know why that stuck with me? Because as a child, I was natively selfish. And there was portrayed my own sin. If indulged in, if I were allowed to continue in it. Use such opportunities to show that the wages of sin is death. That the one who sins will be miserable. The way of the transgressor is hard. And ultimately, sin brings misery. Use the opportunities. The Bible tells us, Proverbs 28.5 Evil men do not understand justice, but those who seek the Lord understand all things. As your kids grow older, you can take the opportunity to deal with current events and talk to them about them and show the consequences of sin. We understand justice. Why? Because we seek the Lord. But evil men do not understand justice. And so to expect justice from the system? Well, we hope that those who bear the sword will do it rightly. Romans 13. But it's a sin-cursed world. Talk to your kids 
about those current events and show the ugliness and consequences of sin. Thirdly, what other opportunities do you get under the O? Basis opportunities. Show them and talk to them about God's good blessings all along the way. You and your family, as I look out at you here, brethren at Trinity Baptist Church, you have received from God's hand a cornucopia of blessings. As one of my favorite hymns puts it, When all your mercies, O my God, my rising soul surveys, transported with the view, I'm lost in wonder, love, and praise. Unnumbered comforts to my soul, thy tender care bestowed, before my infant heart conceived, from whom those comforts flowed. Their infant hearts may not get it yet. You teach their infant hearts. These comforts that we enjoy, they have flowed from the hand of our good God. And we receive from His hand these blessings with grateful hearts. The hymn goes on to say, Ten thousand thousand precious gifts my daily thanks employ, nor is the least a cheerful heart that tastes those gifts with joy. We know from the book of James chapter 1 verse 17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above from, and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no shifting shadow, no shadow of change. And so teach your children when you receive blessings of whatever sort, teach them to have thankful, cheerful hearts that taste those gifts with joy. Don't be like an Eeyore always seeing the negative side, the glum side, and oh well, you know, it's a tough life. And I pray that at Trinity Baptist Church, those olive plants will be around your table with thankful hearts. Teach them to have thankful hearts. So God's good gifts, opportunities to talk about God. Another is when trials come, you can teach them how God can bring good out of evil. They need to know that not only blessings, but also trials come from the hand of God for our good. They need to see in us genuine faith in the midst of trials. We can't fool our children. If they see you buckling under, if they see you moaning and groaning, it's going to leave an effect on them. But if they see you trusting God in trial, seeing good even in an evil situation, finding the silver lining in the dark cloud, that will make an impression on them. Genesis 50.20 would be a good text to use. As for you, the world, your enemies, those kids at school who maybe bully you, they mean it for evil. But God means it for good. I don't think my parents ever knew that I was bullied in junior high school. I didn't come home and talk about it. But if I did, I hope they would say, I think they probably would have said, God has a good purpose. God means, and you know he did. 
He kept me out of a lot of trouble because of that. Trials are not pleasant, but God means them for good for His people. One more opportunity to talk to them about God. And please, add to my list and come and tell me. But this one strikes me as a father and as having been a kid once upon a time. When times of fear, you need to show them that there is one to whom they can run. That there's a God who is faithful. A God who is trustworthy. A God who is a helper of the weak. And so children very small in a big world and they can have many fears and some of them are rational some of them are not so rational they can be afraid of the dark well you don't see you don't know what's out there they can be afraid of cockroaches well maybe not so much here in New Jersey but in Philippines that's a big deal they can be afraid of dogs the neighbor's dog they can be afraid of the monster under the bed or the monster in the closet there are all kinds of fears that children have to deal with but you point them to Psalm 56 verses 3 and 4 when I am afraid I will put my trust in you In God whose word I praise, in God I have put my trust. What can mere men do to me? I will not be afraid. Now, of course, you need to teach them to trust the Lord Jesus. And not just to take for granted His kindness, but to show them, use it as an opportunity to show them, if you're in Christ, you need fear no evil. In Christ is safety. In Christ is comfort. In Christ is security. Use opportunities. So that was my O, opportunity. Now, the Q. What's the Q? Questions. Questions come up all along the way from your kids. I don't know about your kids, but my kids were fond of questions. And I think all children have a natural curiosity. And don't just tell them curiosity killed the cat and shut them up. All right? Curiosity can be a good thing. They want to know. And so listen to their questions. And that's the first thing I want to say. Parents, listen to your children's questions. Don't push them off. Don't just say, I'm busy now. Don't give them a busy signal. Listen to their questions. And they have all kinds of questions. Maybe, for example, death. We heard of the death of Mr. Barker, Pastor Barker. Also, just yesterday, I was at the burial of John DeLisi's mom, Mrs. DeLisi. Death comes. What's death? Uh, And especially if, as I had... uh, I remember the event when I was... And a little bit older as a young person going to a, a funeral with an open casket and just being struck by this person that I knew as a living person is now lying there inert. What's going on? What is death? Why is there death? Where is, and the child asks, where is grandma now? You have opportunity to speak to them about the body and the soul and about the need to know Christ and to be have your soul safe. Death provides opportunities because they will ask the question. When they're looking at creation, again, going back to the first 
illustration, the first example, they ask questions. Why is this like this? Why is this like that? And maybe you're not a biology major or an engineer, but from what you know, you can answer their questions. Don't just say, well, that's, that's just the way it is. Well, God made it that way. That's a good answer. But if you can go deeper and explain how intricate and how marvelous is God's creation, all the more. Answer their questions as best as you can. And use it as an opportunity again to bring them to Christ. Keep the communication lines open. Listen. Always listen. You want to foster that question. You want to foster that they come to you with their questions. And as one brother pointed out, that in the midst of this series, I hope you say something along the way to parents, turn off your device. They're on your device. Oh, well, Daddy, would you help me? I am. Yeah, sure. Well, turn it off. Listen to your kids. Don't be so consumed with that electronic doodad that you forget to be a good dad. Pay attention. Questions. Now, E, the last example. Now, as you teach your children all along the way, opportunities, or the basis, opportunities, questions, now example. Your life and your example are one of the best teaching methods that there is. Let your kids see in you that this is not just a Sunday thing. It's not just a theological, theoretical thing. But it is a life thing with you. Once, not too long ago, I said that the greatest gift... Uh, or, or, or for kids, love is spelled T-I-M-E. I think I also said that the greatest gift a father can give his children is to love their mother. But I want to add to that, another great gift you fathers can give your children, not just Father's Day every day, and mothers too, is to live what you teach. Now you're not perfect. You've got clay feet as this preacher does. Live what you teach. And that says worlds to them. The opposite, if you don't live what you teach, tells them this is all hooey. And I don't need to pay attention to it. But when you live consistently, not perfectly before them, when you read your Bible on your own, and they see you praying on your own, and mom says to them, don't bother dad just now, he's having his devotions, that's a good time to give a busy signal perhaps. Live what you teach. And when you fail, live what you teach about repentance and faith. Because you will fail. And they will see you fail. Live what you teach about repentance and faith before your children. The kids will see. The kids will recognize How do you act under pressure? How do you act under trials? Do you blow it? You say you believe in God's sovereignty. Do you trust in God when things are going badly? 
Is God suddenly not on His throne anymore? Or do they see you trusting God in the midst of sorrow? Even with tears in your eyes, do they see you putting your confidence in the living God? You know, I think some kids learn to whine at a young age from their parents. We used to say to our kids, would you like a little cheese with your wine? I don't know if they got it. We didn't allow whining in our house. Don't allow it in yours. But daddy... (laughs) Sorry that doesn't get anywhere with me. Talk to me in a normal, pleasant tone of voice. You want to say that again in the right way? But if they hear you whining, moms and dads, what are they going to learn? And so, that's what I want to say. B-O-Q-E, Boki. If you pronounce a Q that way, without a U. The basis, Deuteronomy 6. Opportunities, many of them. The questions, your kids ask them. But your example is a great way to teach the Word of God all along the way. Now as we close this morning, and I'm going to end early, so I'm fulfilling my pledge. Fathers and mothers, take to heart your responsibility. It's on you. You can't pass the buck. Well, my Sunday school teacher, all the pastors, we'll do our bit. Please, we want to help you as much as we can. But it's your responsibility. The buck stops with you, parents, fathers. It's a great challenge, but it's rewarding. When you see those olive plants around your table, cheerful, well-adjusted, not perfect, there's no such thing, but when you see them growing up, when you see them trained properly, and when God blesses it, as we plead with Him to do, and you see your kids putting their trust in Jesus the Savior, and when you see them baptized and becoming members of the church in due time, what joy that is. You can say, now let your servant depart in peace. Well, not yet. we got more work to do. Parents, grandparents, etc. But you're so thankful. And God has blessed. Not that you saved them. Not that your work has earned it. But it's God's mercy. And God uses means. Teach them in family devotions. Teach them all along the way. And that leads to this next application. Prayerfully look for those opportunities. Keep your eyes open. When you see such glorious things, this is your initiative. Not waiting for your kids to come to you with a question, but take the initiative. Look at what God made. Look at this beautiful... Oh, when the clouds come over, look at those puffy clouds. Who would have invented clouds? God did. Look at this gorgeous day. All that God has made declares His glory. Take the opportunity. 
all those five things that I mentioned, look for them, look for others, tell me your own, look for the opportunities and prayerfully seize them to teach your children the Word of God all along the way. Thirdly, be a good example to your kids. I just want to bend that nail over a little more. Your life is a great teacher. You're not perfect. They know that. Show them Christian godliness with repentance, with faith. Be an example to them. Singles, you know, this has been for moms and dads. I I know you're not a mom and dad, but that's okay. Think of this. Singles, you look around you. There's some little eyes and they see you. Maybe you have the family uh, family in the church over to your house. What do they see? What's on your shelves? What example are you giving them? They, they're watching you. I remember when our kids were little, they, the, the singles in the church were their big brothers and sisters. And they watched them. Singles, what kind of example are you being? to the children in this church. But as I close, let me leave this note. How can you teach children walking along the way, living your life, if you're without God? You know what the Bible says about you? If you're without God, you're without hope in the world. Yesterday, I spoke at the graveside of a dear woman, the mother of John DeLisi, And I read from Ephesians chapter 2. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. But you know the wonderful thing about that passage? You come to verse 4 and it says, But God, being rich in mercy, and because of His great love with which He loved us, He has made you alive, for by grace you are saved. Dear friend, You can be made alive. You can have a life that if it's a pattern for your kids, you will not be ashamed. The Proverbs talk about the kid who's ashamed to his father. But you know, there are many a father who's ashamed of their kids. And then that's repeated in the next generation. Dear friend, you know as you look at your family, if you have a family, you know You're not a good father. You know your marriage is a mess. Why? Because you're selfish and self-centered. You need to be made new, made alive. God can do it, and you can't. But God, being rich in mercy, has made you alive. He can take you dead in sin and make you alive in Christ. And to do that, to have that, you need to come to Christ in faith. For by grace you are saved, it's God's gift, through faith. Through faith. Trust in the Lord Jesus, and you shall be saved. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you give directions to fathers, that you are a good father, you are a perfect father, and you have given your Son, our Savior, who lived on this earth a perfect example, perfect godliness, a life of complete obedience, 
And we confess our lives are not that. But we thank you that we can have that perfect righteousness which he gives as a gift to all who trust in him. And we plead this Father's Day for the fathers and mothers here at Trinity Baptist Church and those who are tuning in, listening online, that you would bless your word and make these homes at Trinity Baptist Church as happy and as holy, and the two go together, Lord, you know, as they can be in this sin-cursed world. Own your word. Help us to follow it. We plead through Jesus, your Son, our Savior. Amen.